Welcome to PI Perspectives. In this episode, Matt sits down with his mentor and longtime friend, Gary Wilsh, of At The Scene Investigations in Scranton, Pennsylvania. They discuss car and truck accident reconstruction. Gary brings his 20 plus years investigative experience to the table and offers up great tips for accident site investigations. This episode is brought to you by the new book, The Art of Investigation. Make sure you check out Matt's chapter on energy. Join Matt and the other authors on January 30th at the Mysterious Bookshop in New York City at 6.30 p.m. for a book signing. Details in the show notes. Now here's our host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome to the latest episode of PI Perspectives. Happy New Year to everybody again, and we're so glad to have you here. We got a special guest today, somebody who's really special to me, actually. This guy is my mentor going all the way back to when I actually got into the business before I even started my business. A guy from Queens. I want to welcome to the program, Gary Wilsh. Gary, how are you doing? Very well, Matt. Thank you uh, very much for the great introduction. Yeah. So for folks that don't know, Gary works for At The Scene Investigations. He's uh, based out of Scranton in Pennsylvania, but prior to that, he was in uh, in Queens. And when I decided I wanted to be an investigator, I reached out to Gary. Uh, we had worked together many, many, many years ago. And uh, Gary had already had his PI business going. And I said, uh, I need to know what I'm doing here. <laughs> so I pretty much shadowed uh, Gary for about two or three days and he gave me the ropes and uh, the rest is history. So uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, we're going to talk today about accident reconstruction. How was your holiday? Everything good? Everything was well. Any holiday is always an excellent holiday. Well, there you go. Well, now we're back to the grind. This time of year means a lot of snow, a lot of slippery roads, and a lot of accidents. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into the business, and uh, where, where you're at these days? I had gotten into the uh, private investigative business with a with a focus in personal injury investigations. Uh, Growing up, I had worked with my father at his automotive business in Richmond Hill, Queens, and he had owned a body shop and auto repair. And uh, starting there when I was about eight years old, I had learned my way around a car. And through the time of doing this and working on cars and being there every summer uh, when we were off from school, and even later on when I was in college, I was going in. And my father, you know, had me start off with uh, doing all the cleaning when I was eight. And then as I got older, I was able to take on uh, much greater responsibility. With regards to vehicles, the only thing I never did was paint a car. Uh, I had completed everything else from engine removal to transmission removal to, and installation, um, brakes, tires, uh, engine service, tune-ups, uh, et cetera. So sounds, my knowledge sounds, of a vehicle. Yeah, it sounds like you high. were a pretty good cheap labor there, right? Very much so cheap labor. <laughs> cheap labor um, very day. long hours. Uh, my father would actually come in by 5 a.m. And we would usually leave at around 7 o'clock at night. Wow. That's how he got the work ethic, right? So that's uh, that, that, that's awesome. So, I mean, that laid the foundation for you really to understand auto cases. I know that was something that we've we've always talked about, right? Understanding you know, the ins and outs of a motor vehicle and then trying to put together how an accident happened and understand it. I'm sure that gave you an advantage when you're looking at the remains of a vehicle after a heavy accident. Yes, very much so. When you look at a car or a tractor trailer or even a motorcycle, um, it doesn't matter. You have to look at the overall damage and go beyond like the fender or beyond um, the door 
you have to start to look into the frame and into the unibody um, to see how deep the damage went in because that tells you energy. Right. And I always found that to be really interesting, right? So the age of a vehicle uh, will definitely determine how the energy is dispersed, right? The older the vehicle, the, the metal now starts to soften a little bit and it's distributed a different way. Um, I, I don't pretend to be an, a full-time accident reconstructionist. I've, I've tailed a couple guys. I've been out uh, on a couple jobs and just, you know, that was one of the things that always stuck with me. I thought was really interesting. One thing that you can certainly tell is when there's a car from the Northeast rather than from down South, because the salt and the brine that they put on the roadways uh, really makes a difference to the undercarriage of a car. And you can see how over time, how the frame or the rocker panels or um, even the rear impact bar, the front impact bar will actually start to rust because the salt really does eat in. That's why too, when you, go to the car wash and you live in the Northeast and you're driving on salt and snow covered roads, you should have the underside of your car always sprayed as you're going through because it removes all of that. That will eat away your car and it will soften it. You know, will it happen in five years? No, but 10, 11, 12, 13 years, you will definitely see a major difference. Yeah, something tells me if they have a Go Patriots bumper sticker on their uh, on their bumper, that may give it away too. That would definitely give it away, yeah. I want to apologize to all my Patriots fans that are, uh, you know, out of the playoffs now, but it is what it is. So jumping back in here. So you've got this, um, this background here in doing, um, you know, having this mechanical auto background. How did you parlay that into the investigative experience and really, um, I guess, push that forward as something that you had an expertise in? What I would do is when I was marketing my services to attorneys, I would tell them, um, that, you know, I do have uh, knowledge uh, in motor vehicles or uh, tractor trailers or motorcycles. And that when we would go out, when I would go out actually and take photographs, I would be able to take measurements of different things. And these measurements would be able to show how um, there was damage sustained to the car and how deep it went into the car. Did it actually, you know, infringe upon the frame or any of the strut towers or anything like this. And by doing this, you can tie it into how an individual that was involved in this accident was injured because it would show how the the energy would transfer right through the entire unit or and unit. When I use the word unit, you refer to a car or a motorcycle or a tractor trailer or a farm tractor. It doesn't matter. A unit is, is something that we drive in, we operate and that we're involved in with an accident. Right. Understood. So uh, why don't you give me like two or three other tips for somebody who's, they've just started their investigation company. They're, they're maybe they're out of law enforcement, maybe they're not. Um, and they want to get into doing this type of business. They obviously can't sell themselves as I do accident reconstruction, but I think what they can do is maybe lay the foundation and, and collect data that's time sensitive for that reconstructionist to come in later. So give me a couple pointers and tips. I know you, you touched on a couple things, but give me a couple more for folks that are uh, interested in getting into doing this t- uh, type of investigative work that how they can um, start gathering information. Well, the, the first thing that we do is whenever there's an accident, we immediately go out to the accident scene. Um, we look at the roadway. Um, we're looking for gouge marks. Gouge marks is when a piece of the pavement or the roadway surface has been removed. And that is indicative of a point of impact. Um, because when 
two units collide and things begin to break and, and smash, they will break down into the, the roadway surface itself and dig up that piece of roadway. So that tells us where our point of impact is. So, and, and a new gouge mark will look very shiny. So you can figure that to be, and then you can begin to photograph it. You can measure it from the edge of the road or measure it from a building, and then you can even triangulate it. So let's say in, in three months from now or four months from now, when they repave the surface because there was some issue with a water main break, you'll be able to pinpoint that point exactly as to where it is based upon the measurements and the photographs that you take. Uh, another thing that is always very helpful is to canvas the neighborhood, you know, speak to witnesses, anybody who saw it or heard it or came out, because when they come out, everybody has a cell phone nowadays, so everybody takes pictures. Pictures are just invaluable. We even now have people that shoot video when they go outside to see what's going on, and you may capture somebody saying um, you know, the tractor trailer driver saying, oh, yeah, I was completely lost and I was looking at my GPS. So now you have an audio recording of it. And in New York, New York is a one party state. So you're easily able to record and see and do. And that's what some people do. Also, homes, businesses, surveillance cameras. You can buy these surveillance cameras in every imaginable store from Best Buy to Home Depot. They are very user-friendly and super easy to install. And a lot of people are starting to buy them. They protect their property. They'll usually shoot out onto the road because they want to get where they park their car as well. And then you end up capturing an accident on surveillance footage. Yeah, you just want to, um, you want to be uh, real careful with Ring, right? You got to stay away from Ring? Uh, no, you don't have to stay away from Ring. Um, the problem is when it comes to security, people are lazy. And they're using the default passwords that are on the backs of these cameras or on the backs of these routers. Also, what they're doing is people are hacking. I, I believe there was just a hack of 238 million people from Facebook, I believe it was, had their name and their phone numbers taken and possibly even their user IDs or passwords. But I don't know if it's exactly with that situation, but... What they'll do is a hacker will get your user ID and your password. And most people are lazy and they don't change it from one thing to the next. Right. You have to change it from one to the next. If you keep it all the same, it becomes a problem. Right. Because then they'll try it broadly across everything and yeah. protect your network and everything else. And that's what people aren't doing. Yeah. So definitely let's, let's get back on the video here. So talking about the video being available that's something that you definitely want to go out to the site and, and look around. Uh, sometimes you'll see law enforcement video cameras like you're in New York. They have a whole bunch of those, but sometimes there is that private family, which we were just talking about, you know, so going out and canvassing and, and, and also doing the electronic canvas, right? Going online, social media apps like citizen where people will post, um, you know, real time as, as accidents happen. And, you know, something like citizen is interesting because yes, it's after the fact, but it, if it's showing the vehicle, how the vehicle is positioned, uh, it could be a game changer. Like there was a case I worked on in Manhattan where it was a question of whether or not a bicyclist uh, had been struck by a bus. So the police report was written that the bicyclist had lost control on the road and fell down and the, and, uh, there was no contact. Uh, there have to be a bus next to it. Now, this guy had a, a, a head injury and didn't remember what happened. Um, we were able to find somebody who posted on on Citizen. 
uh, a kind of an after the fact and showed the bus. Now, why it was important is there were scuff marks on the bus from the bicycle. So that there was proof right there that the bike had actually come into contact with the bus. And, you know, contact is very important when you're dealing with these types of cases. So it, uh, it really was a game changer in being able to lock that down. So, you know, using uh, situations like that, um, you know, canvassing both real time and, and online is really, really important. Those are, are good tips. You got one more to give uh, the listeners here? Going off of your point with, with, you know, scene photos, the people going out and taking the scene photos. Also, too, once you have a copy of the police report, you can find out where the units that were involved are uh, at a tow yard or maybe went to a salvage yard. Um, sometimes permission will have to be obtained for you to go in there where the plaintiff's attorney or defense attorney would issue spoilization letters and then set up inspections. But if you go in and you inspect the unit, um, that will allow you to see, you know, okay, there, there is this damage here or no, there isn't damage. Um, same situation, a gentleman on a bicycle in a car, they were trying to say that the bicyclist ran into the front of the, to the right side of the car. Uh, when we went out and looked at the bicycle, we went out and looked at the car, we could see that only the rear tire of the bicycle was damaged and that there was uh, a scuff marks, very deep, dark scuff marks where the rear wheel had scraped across the front bumper cover. So looking at this, we could tell exactly what had occurred and that uh, there was no damage to the front of the bicycle. So going out and, and looking at the units that are involved is also crucial to do. And doing it in a legal manner where if you need to set up inspections, the attorney would be able to do that and talking to the other side. Right. Um, also with that, a lot of people have dash cams, especially with tractor trailers. Right. Um, this is just, you know, an overwhelming factor of evidence that you're able to look at right. and examine. And the dash cams, especially in tractor trailers, show the driver. And show what's ahead of him, exactly what the driver is doing at that time. Right. We're going to jump into the tractor trailer stuff in just a minute. We're, we're going to take a, a quick break in, in just a second. But I wanted to give one more tip, something that just came to my mind here. And it's not a, a, even really a um, going out to the scene and, and doing something. But having the um, smarts to have a preserve letter, um, like just a template for your client, um, is something that could also make you look really, really good. So there, there are some attorneys that I deal with where maybe they're not experienced or their paralegal has no idea what exactly needs to be in that letter. Just having something that you could give to them makes you look like a million bucks. Say, hey, this is typically what we use to do this. Just, you know, plug and play, put in what you need to put in over here. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to serve that letter while we're out there or do what we need to do. Um, that's something uh, in my experience, if you just, you know, when your client gives you one, just take the, uh, a template, make a template of it for the next time you need it uh, for one of your other clients or something like that. So that's my two cents, my little tidbit on accident reconstruction. It's very um, helpful. Yeah, very helpful, right? We're going to jump out real quick and just take a, a quick sponsor break. And when we come back, I wanted to talk a little further about the tractor trailer because that is uh, something that Gary actually focuses on. And we're going to dive in a little deeper on that. So we're going to jump out. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the Society of Professional Investigators. You can find the SPI website at spionline.info. Be sure to look out for the first international conference on medical serial murders hosted by SPI in New York City on March 20th, 2020. 
And welcome back to PI Perspectives. We are back here with Gary Wilsh from At The Scene Investigations in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Gary. Thank you. Before we took a break, we started diving in a little bit with the tractor trailer investigations and you were talking about videos on tractor trailers. So why don't you uh, bring us back up to speed on that and let's talk a little further. And then uh, there was an example we had talked about before we we jumped on uh, to record the episode that I think kind of makes sense here too with uh, a driver claiming one thing and then uh, figuring out once viewing the video that it was something else. So uh, why don't you jump back in? Yes. Yeah, so with the with tractor trailers, if they do have dash cams, the dash cams uh, capture the driver uh, exactly what he's doing and then what's ahead. Um, some dash cams you will have actually side cams, and you'll get the size of the bus or, or the size of the tractor trailer or the back of the tractor trailer. School buses I have seen, you know, will have cameras everywhere, but the tractor trailer cameras are usually recorded onto an SD card. So when you come back to the preservation letter, the spoilization letter, you want to be sure that the uh, attorney is requesting any type of dash cam footage that that be preserved and safe. And when you go out and do your inspection, everybody collectively from the defense side and the plaintiff side is able to remove the card, go to a common place where everybody can stand or sit, one person uses their laptop and the footage is downloaded and then divided up and given to everyone uh, for later use or viewing, or you can even view it all together. But uh, we had a, a case where a tractor trailer driver said that our client had rear-ended uh, his tractor trailer while he was driving down the interstate. This particular tractor trailer had dash cam, so we went to the footage when an inspection had been set up, both sides. All the experts were there and everything else. A speed card was removed. The footage was downloaded. And we sat there and watched it collectively. You could see how the tractor trailer had actually pulled off to the side of the road, the driver. For whatever reason, I don't know. That would come out in a deposition. Uh, he decided to re-enter traffic. And he had actually cut our client off. And that's when our client had rear-ended him. And the dash cam footage, you could see the shakes and the lights exactly when the impact occurred. And then he immediately braked and then pulled over to the side of the road. So we knew that this accident had happened. Without the dash cam footage, we would have never known this. Uh, Uh, There wouldn't have been no way to know this. Yeah, and that's really interesting because it's not actually showing the impact, right? It's not actually showing like, oh, here's one. Uh, It was not, no. You know, but but you're able to, you know, use investigative technique and, you know, it's pretty obvious when it it happened, but um, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, some vehicles have uh, cameras all around and some just have in the the front here. So you never really know what you're going to get until you show up. I mean, not not every truck has a, a camera either, so... No, but what we're also seeing, Matt, is on motorcycles, they'll have a GoPro on their helmet. Cars now are putting the rearview mirror, it attaches to the rearview mirror, a dash cam. And then they're stopped at a traffic light, capturing the intersection perfectly. And then here you have this accident occur because one ran the red light and the other had the green light. And here these dash cams or rearview cams are actually picking this up. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's helping with extremely liability. Extremely helpful. Yeah, helping with liability. Yeah. Who's responsible? And it's becoming yeah. extremely common. 
Yeah. I mean, every time I see that, I always think of those videos back in Russia, the people just like, you know, they look at the car as it's approaching and then they run over to the car and jump on the hood and then fall on the ground like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> so, <laughs> Overseas, over the pond, as they say, it's a very, it's a great concern in Russia with insurance fraud. Right. Uh, big problem. Yeah. So uh, we're going to come back to Pennsylvania here and talk about uh, <laughs> <laughs> trucks here. So uh, how did you make that decision or, or, or when did you see the trend? Like, okay, so tractor trailer accidents, maybe this is something I want to focus on and, and um, dig a little deeper into. Well, tractor accidents in general occur all the time. Uh, as long as there's a human being sitting behind the wheel, um, this is something that will it will happen. It will occur. Um, what I had found with tractor trailer accidents is there was a greater level of frequency because there's more of them on the road. And then you also have a human being that's behind that. Now, that human being is sometimes trying to push getting their load to where they have to get it to because there may be some type of incentive or maybe they have plans and they want to get done with it sooner so they can go on that trip or be home for a kid's graduation or something like this. So you would start to see it a lot more with tractor trailer drivers because that's their job. You and I basically drive, you know, for our errands or, or to and from work, things like this. So we're not always pushing the envelope with sleep deprivation or using a controlled substance to help stay awake. Uh, we're not doing any of that. You know, when the weather is bad too, tractor trailer drivers, you know, still have to get their load there within a certain time period. So when there's snow or ice, they will sometimes push push the hammer down so that they can still make it in time. And that, you know, possesses a danger for everybody who's on the road and sharing the roadway with them. Yeah, we were, we were talking earlier. There was a mega accident yesterday in Pennsylvania involving a tour bus and uh, a UPS truck and a FedEx truck. There were like 60 people injured, five people killed. It's, uh, it's crazy how sometimes... Uh, you know, you just don't know how these things are going to happen and everyone's got their own agenda and what they're doing. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the tour bus losing control or, or maybe it's the guy with the delivery trying to keep, um, you know, his schedule going. And, and obviously we won't know until they start getting out there and reconstructing it and putting it together and seeing exactly what happened. So, uh, there is certainly a need for what we do when it comes to this stuff. Definitely is a need. And, and what exactly happened, um, out there, we don't know, but the, National Highway Safety uh, and the state police and, and all of them will be out there putting everything together. And based upon science and technology, um, they will be able to put together exactly how this accident occurred. And now a, a tour bus. Remember, tour buses most of the time have cameras in them. Right. So this accident could have very well and very easily been captured on some type of dash cam. And they may have an answer beyond, you know, super soon, um, you know, where they won't have to get in so technical and, and look at roads or surface conditions or start to inspect the bus or the tractor trailer for their tires or their braking system. Right. You know, it may be right on the footage. Right. So how do you market yourself to attorneys? Do they come to you on these things? Are you like known as the, like the, the tractor trailer guy? Or is it something that you're, you're advertising it that way? Like, what do you, what do you do to get this type of work? Well, in, in what you do is you advertise that you have the knowledge of, of units, um, be it cars, motorcycles, uh, tractor trailers, and you, you present that to the attorneys and say, hey, you know, we've worked on this before. We have the knowledge. We can go out. We can photograph. We can measure. 
Um, you know, we can look at the scene and, and look for the yaw marks or look for the gouge marks. Um, you know, even too with the data uh, that tractor trailers have, they have something that we refer to as a black box. And this data that's within the black box will tell us various different things, speed, um, braking, did they have their lights on, did they not have their lights on, did they have a directional on or didn't they have a directional on. And we're able to download that and examine all that data. And then this helps the attorney with the case. So what we do is we essentially show the attorney how photographs and measurements and doing these inspections will help them with their case. Um, and this is what creates the interest. And once you start with one attorney, it spreads to another attorney, which spreads to another. Right. And the next thing you know, you're being referred out. Right. And then you're also tying in the Internet of Things, right? So the smartwatches and the uh, the iPhones and the, and the smartphones and all that. And uh, I had Amber Schroeder on from Parabin um, a couple months ago, and we started talking about that. But that's all coming to play now on these big accidents, right? They're dumping the phones automatically. Um, and, and getting they are. all the app, the app data off there. And, and it really tells a lot as to what's going on pre-accident. I even have attorneys, uh, firms that are asking me to go to school to learn about cell phones um, so that I have an understanding of it and, and we can start downloading it ourselves. I think I know somebody. Um, because it's become very popular. You definitely do know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's become very popular. Cell phone yeah. is with you all the time, everywhere you go. Right. It has, it, it, you know, it knows everything about what you're doing. Sure. And a lot of them, too, will use it for GPS and everything else. Right. And, too, you can figure out speed and speed distances. And, you know, if you're going 50 miles an hour, you should be there in a certain time, not, you know, 85 miles an hour, which gets you there much faster. Right, right. Um, okay, so... Uh, how long have you actually been doing um, the tractor trailer type work? I've been doing tractor trailer work now for about 14 years. Wow. Okay. Great. Uh, so oh. it's, it's been a long time. So there was something we were talking about offline too called the safer website. Can you explain to me what that is and um, how somebody like yourself uses that to gather information? Yes. What the safer website is, is it allows you to, it, it's from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. It's part of the U.S. Department of Transportation. And what it does when you go to their main website and you, you look at a company snapshot, you can search by DOT number or name, and it brings up basically information about uh, this tractor trailer company. Um once you're there and you're looking at it, it allows you to go a little bit deeper um, because the initial part tells you, are they active? Are they inactive? It gives you all their addresses. You can even look at insurance information that's there, which can be very helpful if you don't have a police report yet. And this is where, again, if you canvas and you find somebody who captured a photo on social media or somebody who was driving by and took a picture, you may have the name of the tractor trailer company already before the police reports even issued. Wow. And this allows you then to begin doing your research and giving it to the attorney. Um, so you can go further and you go into the safety managed measurement system, which is SMS. And it talks about that tractor trailer company. It talks about when there were inspections done. Because if you, you know, if you drive on any interstate, you'll see, you know, tractor trailer inspection, when lights are flashing, you must pull in. It gives you those results. 
seems those it lights those costs, lights are never on though. <laughs> Every time I drive past them. Um, Pennsylvania, I see them on quite frequently. Yeah, and you'll actually see the troopers in there with the coveralls on, and and um, you know they're definitely going over that tractor trailer. Well, that's good. Um, and there'll even be a chase vehicle sitting there in case the tractor trailer drives by and doesn't want to stop. Nice. Um, but with the you know the SMS with the safety measurement system. It allows you to look at this tractor-trailer company with regards to unsafe driving, crash indicator, uh, hours of service, um, vehicle maintenance. So when they do the inspection at those inspection sites, maybe they found that the tires weren't to proper depth. Maybe they found a problem, a hole in the brake system. And this is all recorded there, and this is all information you can get. Um, the only thing is some information can take up to a year to get from the safety measurement system from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. That's the sad thing about it. But there is some information that is readily available that is helpful for your case. Right, right. And helpful for the attorney. And I think one of the other things you do also, correct me if I'm wrong here, you do profiles on drivers, right? So if somebody was involved in, in a heavy accident like that, you you do a complete background on the person that was driving the truck, getting a sense of yeah. what they're into. Yes, on the that, right? tractor trailer driver, that's what we'll do. And it even comes down to the inspection. Um, when you have the spoilization letters go out and everybody agrees on a date and a time, you go and you look at that tractor trailer. And one thing that I will always focus on is inside that cabin. Because you have to understand a tractor trailer driver, that is their house. So this is where they're living, especially if they're driving substantial distances. So as you begin to go through that tractor, through the tractor portion, you will find documents that show court cases that they have to appear for, um, different things that they may have purchased or things that they use to help them stay awake because it shows that they're careless on their end. So you have that and then you have, you know, the background that you can complete on the driver themselves. And that's looking at, you know, uh, different databases, building social media profiles, seeing exactly, you know, where they go. Some of them will even post and say, hey, I just drove for 16 hours and I'm exhausted. Well, you're not supposed to be doing that, which also brings to another thing. Tractor trailer drivers have logs. They have to log their hours on. They have to log their hours off. They have to log their breaks. And that's something that you should be looking at as well. Um, most of them have started to go electronic and they're supposed to all be electronic, but some actually have log books and you'll see after they get in an accident, they rip those pages out <laughs> nice. and they play stupid. <laughs> they eat them, right? They know. <laughs> they rip them they out and eat them. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. They probably would because they know that you're going to look at them and that is just not going to be good for them at all. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. So it is interesting what you can build and what you can do. Right. And remember, this is their job. Right. You know, so they're on the road all the time. They're living in these things, you know, and, and it's amazing what you can figure out. What's the craziest thing you've saw in somebody's cab? Uh, paperwork for them to appear in court for drug possession. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So here they got stopped and. They were, you know, arrested and charged and everything else. And they, you know, kept the paperwork in their, in their tractor with them. Right. I would say that's the craziest thing. Packed right next to the rolling papers and the bottle of pills, right? 
<laughs> that's very, very true. Or you'll, you know, you'll find receipts and you'll find, you know, that they purchased, you know, 18 energy drinks right. right before the accident occurred. And they take the receipt they get in their tractor and they just throw it in the back. Wow. Well, why are you buying 18 energy drinks? Or every time they would stop, they would buy two or three of them. Well, it's obvious. They have stock in the company. Come on, man. <laughs> I just wish they had stopped in the company right. <laughs> because had they have stopped and slept, an accident wouldn't have occurred. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And I'm sure you've, you've seen your, your fair share of, uh, you know, unspeakable accidents and unfortunate things that have happened. I think we all have, you know, when we, when we do this kind of work, it's interesting to, to put the pieces together, but it's always, uh, at a cost sometimes. I know there have been some cases I've worked on where, you know, I've seen videos and I go back and I'm like, man, I wish I didn't, I didn't see that. <laughs> you know, I can't unsee that now. Uh, but it's the nature it, of the business. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly it. You know, being in the, the business that we're in, especially when you're on the personal injury side, um, you're always seeing things that you just look at and you shake your head. You know, like if the person that caused would have just thought and would have just stopped, this never would have happened. I had a case I worked on downtown Manhattan. It was right around Halloween. It was like maybe two or three days before Halloween. And uh, a bus driver had run over a pedestrian and he dragged her, I kid you not, seven blocks, seven blocks. He dragged somebody under his, uh, his bus. And his explanation was he thought he had run over a bag of leaves because it was around Halloween and kids were putting stuff in the road. I mean, it was like <laughs> absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And uh, man, I, I had video. I had video like seven blocks worth of video because everywhere down there had cameras, right? So everyone just, I went with all the businesses and got the cameras. It's crazy. Just kept recording. I had a person who got hit and the driver of the car said, oh, I thought it was a dog. Yeah. I, you know, I don't understand. A human versus a dog, there's pretty big differences. I think you still have Especially, to stop. I've never seen a dog upright. Even if you hit a dog, you, you probably should stop too. Yeah, I would think so as well. But people, people will be people. And as long as they're people like that, it will continue to keep the investigative aspect for personal injury investigations or accident recon or accident investigations as a continuous source. Right, right. So what do you do when it comes to particular, like get, getting away from the, the, the tractor trailers, but going back to the vehicles. So let's say you need a, a black box. You need information off that. What do you do? Do you have like another company you work with or do you have the I, download equipment? I, yes, I do. The equipment um, runs into thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And um, I actually have uh, associations with uh, other, uh, you know, mostly certified accident reconstructionists that are also engineers uh, that are retired, usually from the state police, and they have all the equipment. Um, they also have other equipment that will allow them, um, and I believe this equipment is about $25,000, $30,000. It may even be up to forty now, wow. where they can photograph uh, a vehicle and they can create a 3D model of it. Wow. And then they can take that and they can put that into animation if they need to. Right. Now, this is when, you know, you have your real serious accident where there are fatalities and, and you know, there is some serious loss. Whereas when I go out, I use, you know, a, a very expensive DSLR camera and lens and various measuring devices um, at a much different rate than a $40,000 piece of equipment. 
And this allows us to still capture everything and show everything. But yeah, I have an outside company that comes and does it. Yeah. And, and um, that's the thing though, like there is a market for, you know, the regular investigator to go out and do the legwork on this. Cause a lot of times a reconstructionist is not going to get out there right away. These guys are like, well, the reconstructionist isn't going to go canvas. Right. Exactly. You know, so, these are, these are engineers or, right. or these are guys that are making, you know, $350 an hour. Right. A lawyer just won't want to pay 350 an hour for them to go out in canvas. It's just, yeah, you know, it, it's it a, would be senseless. So that's why they'll use someone like myself. Right. It's a really good symbiotic relationship, right? If you can get in there and, and be known for like laying the groundwork for uh, a reconstructionist you work with, I mean, that could be beneficial for everybody. I know like here in New York, there are a couple guys that I, I work with and, and it's funny because there's, there's one guy in New York, he's like impossible to book. And he works both plaintiff and defense. He's an expert. And it's like you hear that name and, and either the eyes are rolling, you know, from the attorney, like, oh, not, not this guy again. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get my report for a year because this guy is so backlogged. You sure? So, uh, it, you it's, sure? It's funny. It really is. Um, but, you know, getting to your point on, on networking and, and meeting people that have these expertise that do that. So it's more than just the investigator, right? So if you have the ability to meet uh, an engineer that does reconstruction or, or, uh, or do that, it could be beneficial for your own business uh, by establishing that relationship. I know I just had one um, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and I didn't do anything but connect the dots. And, uh, you know, we worked out an agreement with the, uh, with the reconstructionist, and I know he's doing a great job and he's doing what he needs to do. And it's all based upon my relationship because I met the guy two years ago and I don't even remember how I met the guy, <laughs> but you know, I opened my phone up. I put accident reconstructionist, the guy's name, telephone number. And when I got that phone call, I said, okay, I got, I'll get somebody for you. And that's how I went about doing that. And it works well. You can really build up a rapport with them. And, and for the certified accident reconstructionist and the engineer, you know, they'll say to the attorney, Hey, you know, you should probably go out and canvas. You should probably go out and do this. You don't want me to do it, but, yeah. I have this great investigator uh, named Matthew Spare who can go out and do it for you. All lies. Or for us. All lies. I'm not great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the wizard from the Wizard of Oz, right? Um, <laughs> but thank you for that. Um, yeah. Sure. So, so that, and that's the thing, right? So I, I had that with a photographer too. So a guy who was like a trial photography expert. He was not an investigator, nor did he have any designs to do investigative work. And we had a really great relationship for many years where he would feed me clients that were looking for investigators, which is work he didn't want to do. So that worked out really well. We are going to start to wind things down here. Gary, why don't you tell me every, uh, where everybody can get a hold of you uh, if they're interested in um, talking shop with you? They can reach me at um, area code 570 uh, My direct extension is 2. Um, we are also reachable by email. My direct email is G for my first name. Then my last name, which is W-I-L-L-S-C-H, and then the at symbol, and then the name of my company, which is at the scene.com. Those are the uh, two best ways to get a hold of us. Right. And obviously, you can go to at the scene.com to get more info and, and uh, hook up with Gary that way. And we'll have uh, on the show information, we'll have all you know links and clicks on how to get a hold of Gary. So, uh Hey, man, this was great. I, uh, I enjoyed catching up with you and uh, talking shop with you a bit. I want to thank you for taking the time. I found this to be very informative. You definitely came prepared, and, and I appreciate that, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. It was definitely a pleasure being on the show. All right. Truly an honor. Great. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will see you on the next show. Take care. Take care.
We appreciate you listening to this episode. As you can hear, Gary's a pro in his field of expertise. Now feel free to reach out to him for more. Link in the show notes. A special thank you to the Art of Investigation. Also, SPI and Satellite Investigations for sponsoring the episode. Next week, we welcome Dr. Chelsea Benz. Dr. Benz is a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, the co-author of The Art of Investigation, and the immediate past president of the New York chapter of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Now have a great week, and thanks for tuning in to PI Perspectives.